hometown mornings, news, and views. Comments and opinions expressed are of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect those of Sunrise Broadcasting. Your participation is welcome. The Hometown Morning Hotline is now open at 715-298-9888. And when calling, please turn your radio down. And now, this morning's edition of News and Views. And joining us this morning for News and Views from the MacGyver Institute, he is Chris Rochester. Is that uh, C. Rochester at MacGyverInstitute.com for your email, Chris? Oh, you weren't supposed to give that away, Oliver, but yes, it is. I'm just joking. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm glad because we always put mats out <laughs> there, so I just wanted you to be able to have people reach out to you, uh, you know, because uh, you are an, 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 an... What exactly is your title? Now, Matt's an investigative reporter. Are you an investigative reporter, or what is your exact title, Chris Rochester? I, I could never claim to hold a candle by having the same title as, as, as Matt Kittle. I, I'm the director of communications, okay. and I do a uh, little health policy dabbling on the side, too. Well, before we dabble in the health, and one never dabbles, one just dives into the deep end and hopes there's water in the pool. <laughs> uh, otherwise, halfway down, you're like, what am I doing here? Um, you've been dealing uh, some luck at Foxconn, and you had some things there to update us on. Now, this Friday, Hometown Morning listeners will get to hear from uh, Mark Maley from WEDC and get a little peek at the process by which... Uh, the WEDC came to the conclusion to support what the legislature had already done. Heaven forbid they would have said no, because <laughs> that would have caused all sorts of problems, right, Chris Rochester? Yeah, um, they and they not only um, went along with what the legislature passed, but they went a, a step further, actually. There's quite a few uh, taxpayer protections in here that I think were the subject of a lot of concern as the Foxconn legislation made its way through the legislature. And we did find out uh, starting last Wednesday uh, what was in the Foxconn contract that uh, WEDC negotiated. Uh, and on Friday, the contract was signed. Now, you, you, you didn't know this, but you have provoked the host, Chris Rochester. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes. Now, as I understand this, and I talked with... Uh, Dana Walks. I do not understand why, and I can't find it in the statutes, that competitive advantage is a reason why this contract should not have been discussed. But wait, according to biztimes.com, it wasn't the contract upon which WETC voted. They voted on a draft, and there were changes that could have been made after they voted, before it was signed. This bothers me, Chris, immensely as a former county board member. I vote on the deal, not a prospective deal that may be changed afterwards, because with Governor Walker's 99 gubernatorial vetoes on the wall, in one case he put in the word not, and it changed the whole intent, and the courts have said that's cool. It's not, Chris. Well, um, that, that's a, been a charge of critics for some time, that this process hasn't been the most open. Uh, and what we were assured of at the, last Wednesday when the contract was voted on, there was a press briefing, um, we were assured by WEDC that any changes after that point would be technical. So at this point, I'm 
relying on what they said, that there would be technical changes. And no doubt if there's something more than technical, that the there are two uh, outspoken critics, including Dana Walsh and Senator Tim Carpenter on the WEDIC board, I would no doubt bring those specifics to light. If but there were but until changes. this time around, all the WEDC board got was the equivalent of an academia, we call it the executive summary of the paper. The and all they review. would get is the staff review. See, this is why you're the director of communications. You are a kinder, gentler soul than those of us who look <laughs> and say, Say what? Doggone it well, all. I, if I'm voting on it, I'm voting on the agreement. And the governor signs the agreement that I voted on, or I don't vote. My posse don't vote on no draft agreements. Or am I just being an extremist? Chris Rodgers. No, I, I don't think you're being an extremist. It's always good to have uh, full, you know, full full disclosure. So that that is a, a point of that, that critics have dug into. Well, if I you just look at the if if you look at the contract itself, you, you do see that, that the clawback provisions are pretty robust. The first five years. Explain what clawback risk. means, Chris Rochester, because you're a director of communications. You understand the parsing of words. Right. Um, so. What the state is doing, and we, we can't let this one go by, it's a lot of money that the state is, is putting up to bring this company to Wisconsin, nearly $3 billion. So um, the clawback provisions in the contract are the amount of money that the, the company will be on the hook for if it fails to live up to its end of the contract or if it does things like, you know, ups and leaves, provides false information to the state, or doesn't meet minimum certain minimum job creation targets that are in the contract. So the first five years, when you really have the risk of this thing falling through before the plant is built and fully up and running, 100% of all tax credits are uh, are clawbackable, if I can say that word. Uh, and after that, you still have significant numbers tied both to job creation minimum numbers and uh, other provisions that might be violated. But I, I have confidence in this deal uh, just because the CEO of the company, Terry Go, is personally guaranteeing uh, uh, 25% of the clawback provision. That's about $500 million, and it's, it's pretty rare for uh, a CEO to take that kind of step and put that much of his own money on the line. So it seems to me he has a pretty high level of confidence in this thing actually working out. Well, just remember the three fundamental rules of the host. Learn to distrust, continue to distrust, and distrust and verify. Distrust and verify. I love that. <laughs> I created it. You can uh, see is your people can talk to my people on royalty rights. All right. We need to take a quick break because, as you said, you dabble in and you, uh, you, you don't give yourself adequate credit. You've written a couple very fine pieces. MacGyverInstitute.com, Director of Communication, Chris Rochester. When we come back, we're talking about the not-so-affordable CARE Act after this. But with us till the top of the hour, he is Director of Communications, the man who can parse his participles, Chris Rochester, MacGyver Institute, C. Rochester at MacGyverInstitute.com. You really do understate, Chris, your abilities in the healthcare field. Two outstanding articles. Talk to us about them. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, uh, we've been following Obamacare for, for a long time at, at MacGyver Institute. Um, last year, the big story was that uh, Obamacare, which is mainly the individual health care market, 
the it's called federally facilitated market where certain plans are sold on Obamacare and a lot of fairly large number of people, I think 215,000 Wisconsinites get their plans on the individual market. Uh, there was 16% increase last year for those plans. This year, or for going into 2018, it's an, a 36% average increase. And even worse than that, 75,000 people uh, have lost their coverage uh, this year alone. So going into 2018, 75,000 people, uh, because their insurer withdrew from this failing individual marketplace in Wisconsin, uh, those people are going to be shopping for coverage whether they want to or not. So, you know, remember the line, uh, the big the big lie, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. So 75,000 people can't keep their plan. They're going to be shopping, and they're going to be looking at plans that are going up 36% on average. Now, I can hear right now the voices of supporters of the no patient protection, not really affordable care act. Because if they're I, out there grasping at straws, well, yeah, they may be looking for the short end of the straw. Uh, but here's the point: there, they they will say, "Well, if the subsidies were greater, the companies would not have had to withdraw." This is all a subsidy problem, Chris Rochester. We're not giving enough corporate welfare to large insurance companies. I find that an odd argument coming from people who bear the label or carry the label of progressive. Um, so one thing that we're seeing is, especially among the media and Obamacare's messaging crews, is that President Trump uh, canceled uh, cost-sharing reduction payments, CSR payments, another fancy way of saying the federal, federal government's taking taxpayer money and writing checks directly to insurance companies. Trump canceled that. Now, it has a not as big of an impact as what they're claiming on the rate increase. That's 15% of premiums paid. So if you do some simple math, that 36% increase would still be north of 20%, even if those bailouts for health insurance companies were still being done under the Trump administration. But here's the thing. Those payments were never authorized by Congress. They were unconstitutional. And what happened so, with the court test there, Chris Rochester? You no, know, I'm not sure, but I think what, what's okay, clearly, You want to know what the answer is, Chris? Do you want to know? <laughs> yes, you tell me. It didn't happen. Right. That's right. the well, problem. This, so therefore it stands under rule of law until it's successfully challenged, which I don't think it has been. That's and, what bothers and, me. And because, I do remember say, this 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 wouldn't have held up in the court because he, no, the it Constitution have. gives the Congress the power to the power of the purse. And Congress never, uh, President Obama never asked the Congress if he could spend this money. Exactly. And what should have happened when that happened, Chris Rochester? What should have happened, Chris? Well, if, if, I think if the, if the federal government wants to give bailouts on a regular basis to insurance companies to subsidize the failing Obamacare marketplace, Congress should at least vote on it. Okay, let me give you four words, Chris. Are you ready for these four words? I'm ready. I'm ready. Hit me. I'll start with high. What are the next three words? High deductible health plans. No. No. Crimes and misdemeanors. Oh, 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 oh. What does that lead to, Chris? I think that leads to charges. Mm-hmm. The particular if con- president we have now, though, did the right thing by saying, no, I'm not going to violate the Constitution. 
and he had called these what they are illegal. I, I, I understand. I understand. But the problem is we end up using an executive order to undo an illegal executive order because basically Congress has the inertia of a glacier. And oh, this is true. <laughs> and so, see, what happens here is because Congress can't agree. I mean, you could have a vote today, a three-to-two vote out of committee today was Tuesday. And the two negative votes would be one person saying, I don't use a Gregorian calendar, and the other person would say, my, my posse don't use calendars. Well, whatever whatever uh, went over the best with space, you know, the sky is blue. They couldn't vote to agree on that. Well, that, that that's true, because that would get us into the issue of climate change. But we digress. Here's the point, Chris. Uh, uh, can, can I, yes, go ahead. I've, I've taken us say, off I wanna, track. I want to slip in some local some local data for you on, uh, on on Marathon County, for example. There were five individual uh, Obamacare uh, individual market insurers in 2016, just a couple years ago. Right. There's now just two. One of them is this uh, virus increasing the rates between 32 and 35 percent. Now, the point being here, and I think I'm being fair, because Congress didn't do it. The president did it. Do you know what Congress has supposedly the right to do on any executive order? Do you know that, Chris Rochester? Congress can pass a law overturning any executive order. Exactly. So when Congress, so when the executive order was passed, Congress did nothing. This is right. why we have a problem. We have a constitutional, and it's been going on for years. And it doesn't matter which party occupies the Oval Office. We have a constitutional crisis. And what Mr. Trump had to do is use an executive order, potentially illegally, to undo an illegal executive order because Congress did nothing. I I think, so we're seeing this also play out with the tax reform debate. The majority in Congress is afraid of being said that they're mean they want to be they're afraid of being portrayed as taking something away from somebody those accusations are going to get made no matter what thing is the thing is is what trump did was right and you're right congress should have been all over this long before the trump department of hhs and president trump had to step in and this is where because nobody got this into the court system and there wasn't a legal adjudication of what the president did. I'm reminded of the 1830s and Andrew Jackson. Remember the Trail of Tears and the uh, um, habeas corpus, 1863 Lincoln. Are you familiar with those two, real quickly? Relatively. Well, the point is that twice a president defied the Supreme Court whether it was in the Cherokee Nation case where basically Jackson said, let the Supreme Court enforce it, and they couldn't. Right. And Lincoln in the habeas corpus case, when he was dealing with Taney, uh, Virginia, uh, chief justice, and he refused to produce the body. We've gotten to the point throughout our history, but certainly in the last 150 years or so, where basically the legal process either grinds to a halt or it's suborned, to use a legal term. And this is the the whole basis of the Affordable Care Act, because it hinged on 
Justice Roberts taking a rather tortuous interpretation that it was a tax, and therefore Congress could do it. I realize I'm oversimplifying, but we're almost out of time. The implications of this are that if we don't bail out or prop up, or the word that those supporters would use, subsidize the insurance carriers, they'll all leave, the Affordable Care Act will collapse, and we can't allow that to happen. And we see in the Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial campaigns and the people of Maine voting to increase Medicare coverage, with federal money, by the way, uh, that the ACA is getting a new life. Fair to say, Chris Rochester? Um, I wouldn't say it's getting, it's getting propped up with a little bit stronger of a stick. It's okay. Stick is a more taxpayer money. But here's an example of, of, of why and how it's not. It's going to continue to collapse. It's been collapsing for long before Trump came into office. Just right here in Wisconsin, uh, there's seven counties surrounding Brown County, which is uh, Green Bay and, and so on. Uh, in 2016, they all had five or more insurers on the Obamacare exchange. In 2018, they're all down to one. And that one insurer is uh, called Common Ground Healthcare Co-op. Common Ground is a co-op that was established in the wake of Obamacare as kind of a patch-up. It's heavily taxpayer-supported, taxpayer-backed loans. The idea of Common Ground and all 23 other co-ops was to increase competition and lower costs. What do we see in Brown County and the surrounding seven, six, and seven, seven counties in Wisconsin? They're the only insurer left with so much for increasing competition. And what is Common Ground doing next year with its rates now that they're the only insurer left? They're increasing their rates 63% for their individual plan. So those people in those counties, those heavily populated counties, have no choice but to go with Common Ground or pay that IRS tax, if you're John Roberts and want to call it a tax well, or penalty. So that's the choice, the, the non-choice that many Wisconsinites are going to have. Well, Chris, in 45 seconds, your prescription is let it expire? No, I think that Congress has to step in because this is this is the Titanic sinking. And if you remember the end of that movie, Rose and Jack went down with the ship. and It didn't work out too well for, for Jack. So uh, Congress has to do something to get the American people out of this mess. they got to get rid of Obamacare. It's destroying our, our markets. And they have to pass free market patient-centered reforms. You can go to McIverInstitute.com. We have a story about direct primary care. We're talking more about that uh, as a free market solution. Uh, this is one of many different examples of innovation that the government could never make happen on its own. Well, Chris Rochester... C. Rochester at MacGyverInstitute.com. MacGyver Institute, read his articles. You might read them and weep, but you'll learn something. Chris, hold on, please. Thanks so much for joining us. Sounds good. Thank you, Oliver. The time right now is 8.59 here, hometown morning, 12.30 WXCO time. We have fog and mist, 35 degrees, wind chill of 28. As always, be thankful, be thoughtful, take care of each other. Talk to you tomorrow. News is next.